if you will, this morning and go to Acts chapter number 26. Acts chapter number 26. It's good to see uh, some of our friends that we haven't seen in a while. Uh, for the benefit of those of you who are unfamiliar familiar with me, my name is Travis Sharp. I'm a member at Temple Coleman. My family and I are, and the director of Unsheltered International here uh, based out of Coleman here. And so I'm happy to be with you this morning. If you're awake, say amen. amen. All right, me too, me too. I've been praying and excited about being here. Uh, last week, as I was uh, praying and thinking uh, about the message, I, I believe that, that God gave me exactly what he would have me to preach this morning. So I want you to listen uh, on purpose, and just as you listen, and we should all do this every time we go to church, but we should, we should listen out, and we should say, God, show me what you have for me today. I try to do that uh, as often as I uh, remember to. God, when the preacher preaches, Lord, I pray you give me something that's just for me and help me to recognize it, Lord, when that word comes. And so that's what I'm asking God to do for me today, and I hope you'll ask him to do that for you as well. I want to start reading in Acts chapter 26, and I'll just start right in verse number 1. The scripture says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning. If they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers." under which promise our twelve tribes instantly, serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I'm accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise from the dead? I verily thought with, in my, uh, thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities." Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. 
And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both to these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and this morning I ask your blessings upon the message. Help me, Lord, to say everything that you want me to say and nothing that I shouldn't. I pray you'd fill me with your power and anoint our ears and hearts as we hear the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I wanted to read all of those verses because it encapsulates the story and the the context that I'm going to be sharing with you this morning about the Apostle Paul. Um, When I think about the Apostle Paul, I think about the greatest missionary that there's ever been. And I like stories of great people. Uh, Do you appreciate stories of great people? I love to watch a movie that just... Uh, uh, draws me in, and you hope especially that the little guy wins in the end. For example, one of my favorite movies is a movie called Rudy. It's about this young uh, uh, college-age guy that goes to Notre Dame, and and he wants to, to play football. And his dream is to be on this great football team. The only problem was that Rudy was was really the runt of his family. He was short and little, and he wasn't the fastest. He wasn't the biggest. He certainly wasn't the strongest. And there just wasn't a a, a spot on the team for somebody like that. They did because of his, uh, uh, his just undying energy and passion. They put him on the practice team where he worked for four years. At first, his teammates despised him. But after they saw his heart, and after they saw how he put everything he had, they realized that he was making them better. 
And in the end of that movie, it was a big game. And like the last few seconds of this big game, all the players rallied behind Rudy and started chanting until the coach finally put Rudy in the big game. And he continued. He, he never quit. He never gave up. And he finally fulfilled his dream of playing on the big stage. I like the movie Rocky where, uh, where uh, Sylvester Stallone plays that great uh, 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 part there. He's uh, just a, a no-name boxer from Philadelphia working for a loan shark because he just never did make it big in, in the boxing scene. And, and Apollo Creed, his, his big title fight, his opponent got injured. And so within about five weeks of the big fight, Apollo chose Rocky to be his opponent. And, and, and Rocky took the fight. And, and when it got up to like the night before the fight, he even confessed to his new, uh, his new love, Adrian, that, that he didn't even thank himself that he had a shot. Nevertheless, he worked hard, he worked hard, he prepared, he prepared, he prepared, and and he just wanted to go the whole 15 rounds with Apollo Creed, something that had never been done before. He, He said to himself that if I could just go the distance, then they wouldn't think of me as just another bum from the neighborhood is what he said. And he did. He got in the fight, and, and I know everybody in here has probably seen that. He got in the ring, and though he was bloodied, and though he was battered, and though he was bruised, he went the entire distance and made history, and everybody loves those movies. Well, Paul the Apostle, he said something about continuing. He said in verse twenty. Uh, two of our text, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue. Rudy never gave up. Rocky never gave up. And so many others never gave up against, against all odds. But I submit to you that the Apostle Paul, outside of maybe the Lord Jesus himself, the Apostle Paul faced the greatest obstacles and the greatest persecution, and the greatest difficulties, and had more reasons to quit than any of the apostles, yet he continued. In Acts 26, Paul is in Jerusalem, and he's been in prison for over two full years. They apprehended him, the Jews did, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, for no greater crime than preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified and resurrected. They said that He was blaspheming the temple and blaspheming God. And Paul says in Acts 26, we just read it, he said, hey, I'm not saying anything else that the, that, that the prophets and Moses didn't say. He said, as a matter of fact, uh, your 12 tribes, they gave glory to God because what I'm saying now, they said would come, speaking of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, he was apprehended, and for two years, he's in prison. He goes before a man named Festus. 
and, and, and he preaches the gospel to Festus. And Festus was trembling when Paul left his company. Now, in Acts 26, he's before King Herod Agrippa. And that's where we come to this morning. Here's what I want you to know today. Every Christian here this morning can continue living for God. Every one of us. And we can do that. We can continue serving and loving and living for God by following the three instructions that are set forth in Acts chapter 26. So I want to help you this morning with, with I continue. What's instruction number one? If we're going to continue serving God, living for God, and being the child of God that God wants us to be, the first instruction is we must keep our mindset positive. Keep our mindset positive. Now, I want you to get this in your mind this morning. I read this morning from Acts chapter 20 all the way through the last verse of 26 because I was just wanting a refresher in my brain about what led up to Paul being before Herod Agrippa. Back in Acts chapter number 20, He says that he feels compelled or called in his heart to go to Jerusalem. He's telling the uh, the elders from the church at Ephesus this, and he's telling them goodbye. And one of them says, listen, Paul, I I, I feel like when you go to Jerusalem, Paul said, "I'm, I'm bound in the spirit to go. And somebody came up to him, one of his friends, and he says, look, he said, God has showed me that just like you feel bound to go there, somebody's going to bind you when you get there. In other words, arrest you. You're going to have trouble. In chapter 21, I believe it is, somebody else begs him not to go. And here's what Paul said. Uh, The word bound means compelled or called. Paul said, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? He said, I can only do what God has called me to do. So two times people warned him not to go to Jerusalem because it would mean trouble and persecution for him. And two times the Apostle Paul said, God has called me to go, so I must go. And so here's what they said. They said, well, we're not going to change his mind. The will of the Lord be done. That's exactly what his friend said. The will of the Lord be done. And you know what I believe this morning? I believe that God is looking for more of his children that would understand where God has put them and what God has called them to do and then plant their feet in that calling enough to where those around them would understand, well, we ain't going to get them to stop. They're doing what God's called them to do and they would have to walk away and say, well... The will of the Lord be done. I submit to you this. If God's will is not done in our life, then it's one of two that's going to be done. Our will or maybe Satan's will. As for me, boy, I pray and I ask God 
for his will to be done in my life. Now, how are we going to continue? We've got to keep our mindset positive. The Apostle Paul said in verse 2 of Acts 26, now get this, he's standing before this court, before this wicked king, and he's on trial after two years in prison already. And Agrippa says, hey, Paul, you can testify. You can defend yourself. And instead of moping up to the platform, instead of poor-mouthing himself all the way up to the microphone, so to speak, he steps up. He said, you know what? I think myself happy. In other words, his mindset, his mind was in the game. He knew why he was there. He knew it was a divine appointment from God that he should be right there. How do we have a positive mindset? Well, by having a positive mouth that speaks to our tongue. I tell you this, I've never met anybody that had a positive mindset and that was really going places that was always spewing out negativity from their mouth. You realize what the Bible says about the tongue? It says a whole lot. Proverbs 15 and verse 4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. A breach is a a hole. It's an access point. It's a breakthrough place. The enemy looks to make a breach in the line or a breach in the wall. In other words, if the enemy breaches the line, they get access. And the Bible said, right there in that proverb, that perverseness in the tongue is a breach In the spirit, you realize this morning, as members of Temple Baptist Church, that what we say one to another, how we talk about each other, how we talk about what's going on in life and our family and church life, it can either give life to it all, or it can bring about a breach in someone's spirit. I remember at a a church I used to attend, when I first got there, man, it was just like heaven on earth. I loved the preaching. I loved the music. I loved it all. And I wasn't there long before... One of my friends in the church who'd been there forever, one day, I don't even remember, it was after church, before church, I don't even, he just began to tell me all about one of the musicians. And it wasn't nothing good. And I was such a young Christian, I'd just been saved a year or so, I, I didn't, I was just like, really? When? With who? What? I don't even remember what it was now. But it was all negative. And you know what happened? I noticed the very next church service, 
when they got up to sing, and that particular person was holding the microphone, my mind wasn't on Jesus. It wasn't on the music. It wasn't on worship. I wasn't thinking about how great of a church that God put me in. All I could think about is what my so-called friend told me about what she had done. There was a breach in my spirit. And what I'm telling you this morning is that God has given us the privilege to guard our tongue and guard our minds. You say, preacher, I want to see God do a great work. We've got to keep our mindset positive. I want to see God bring other people. We've we got to keep our mindset positive. I want to see God make more and more disciples. I want to see this world conquered for Christ. We have to watch one of the smallest members of our body. Proverbs 21, 23 says, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. The new tongue is the keyboard. Say amen right there. The new tongue is your phone keyboard. And how many of you know somebody that's gotten a lot of trouble because they just said dumb things on social media? They didn't even have to open their mouth. Their tongue was the keyboard. I'm encouraging you this morning. Let's think like Jesus would think. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, how do we have a positive mindset? Well, by having a positive mouth, then B, by having a positive memory. That's our testimony. Our our mouth is our tongue. Our memory is our testimony. You know what, Paul, what happened to him? Two different times when he was in prison. Matter of fact, I think it was more like three times. But every time that he was given the opportunity to defend himself. You know what he started out with, Shane? His testimony. His testimony. Now, you'd have thought, man, if it was me and I was on trial and all this stuff, I'd be calling Alexander Shannara, man. I mean, maybe they had one of them in Jerusalem. Maybe there was billboards up everywhere. Call me, Jerusalem. I don't know. But I'd been calling somebody to speak on my behalf because I'd be wanting out of there. But you know what Paul did? He saw all of these opportunities to speak as an opportunity to testify. And his memory was his testimony. His memory was his testimony. Matter of fact, in verses 3 through 18, I won't reread them because we already read them. But he just gives his testimony. Now, I want to show you something really cool about that. Look with me, if you will, at Philippians 4, 8. Do we have that one up here? I guess I'd have to walk out there, wouldn't I? Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, 
Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and any, if there be any praise, think on these things. So the Apostle Paul tells us what to think on. Our mindset, positive. Now, when most people think about having a positive mindset, they think about, don't say nothing that's negative. That's not what Paul said in that verse. And that's not what he did in his experience. Now listen, this is going to help you, I promise. Some of us in here have some bad stuff in our history. Somebody say amen. Things we're not proud of. Matter of fact, some of us have things we are ashamed of. And the Bible doesn't tell us to pretend like it never happened. Philippians 4.8 says, watch this again. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. You know how Paul started out his testimony in this chapter? He said, look, I was a, 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 a Pharisee of Pharisees. He says, I was not good. He said, I persecuted Christians. He said, I even held the coat of those who stoned Stephen. And he goes through all of that. Then he says, matter of fact, on my way to Damascus, I had letters of authority giving me authority to go persecute more Christians. And it was then... In the middle of my being a, a, a just a wicked sinner, it was then that God came to me. And then he tells all this conversion testimony. My point is this. He did not leave out the truth of who he used to be, but he majored on the truth of what God did for him. To have a positive mindset doesn't mean that we pretend some parts of our life never existed. Amen? It means we embrace the grace of God that forgave those parts and that cleansed those parts. That's what the Bible says when it says, such were some of you, but ye are cleansed, but ye are washed. Man, somebody needs to just thank God that when you tell your testimony, yes, you had some dark parts, but praise God, I'm forgiven. And you know the best way to have a positive mental attitude? Be honest about it all. Yes, I was a drunk, but you know what? God saved me, sobered me up. Yes, I had a problem with this. I had a problem with that. I had a problem with the other. But here's what God did. He had a positive mouth. He had a positive memory. He also had a positive message. That talks about his tenacity. And his message was Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. He told them, listen, while I was on the way to commit persecution, God got a hold of me. I like Pastor Malcolm Carter Sr.'s testimony when he got saved. It was their anniversary. Him and Miss Becky, I think it was their one year, two year anniversary, something like that. I've heard it a million times. I should know it word for word. They were going to the bar to celebrate 
but they got invited to church. I think it was a revival. So they went to church before they went to the bar. But they never made it to the bar because God uh, 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 got a hold of his heart and convicted his heart. Uh, and he said, when he was a big old burly, just one of the strongest men you'd ever meet in his prime, he said he went down to the front. He didn't know what to say. He said, the preacher said, why are you coming? He said, I was hoping you could tell me. He didn't know nothing about it. But God saved him right in the middle of going the wrong direction. You talk to Malcolm Sr. today, he's got physical problems. He's got all kinds of difficulties. But at some point, you're going to hear a hallelujah and a praise God. Let me ask you this before we move on to instruction number two. How is your mindset? Listen to me. I know 2020 has been crazy. But we can be a little crazy too, amen? I mean, I know things are different. I know adjustments have to be made. I'm not saying we don't adjust. I'm not saying we don't roll with the flow. But what I am saying is this. It's time to step up. It's time to man up. It's time to remember where God's called me to be and what God's called us to do and march on, Christian soldier. Keep your mindset positive and say, I'm going to work for Jesus till Jesus changes my direction or until he comes back again. Somebody say amen. So instruction number one, if we're going to continue, is to keep our mindset positive. Number two, instruction number two, is keep your motives pure. Now, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road for most of us. In verses 19 through 21, we, we get a glimpse into the Apostle Paul's motives. In other words, we, found, we find out in 19 through 21 why he didn't hire Alexander Shinar. I was interested about what the Webster's 1828 Dictionary said about motive. Here's what it says. Motive is that which incites action. That which determines the choice or moves the will. Uh, To put it simply, someone's motives is why they did what they did or do what they do. We know some people do some things just for money or maybe just for recognition or just for fame or they, somebody might do something just out of the goodness of the heart. Whatever it is, motives, our motives is what makes us move. And the Bible tells us in verse 19 that Paul says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, In other words, after Jesus appeared to me, after Jesus did a work in my heart, after Jesus told me to go preach the gospel to the Gentiles, whereupon, O King Agrippa, watch this, I was not disobedient. How do we keep our motives pure? Number one, or or letter A, by pleasing God. By pleasing God. Paul said, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. In other words, God told me what to do, 
and I went out and did it. God gave me an assignment, and I did it. How do we please God? We please God by obeying God. Listen, there's no other way to please God. Matter of fact, the Scripture says that God would rather have obedience than sacrifice. Somebody says, well, 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 well I, I'm not going to get, you know, real involved like God wants me to get involved like he's been telling me, but I'm going to give extra money in the offering. Well, listen, it might help the church, but it ain't going to impress God. And here's the reason. God sees right through the offering plate, right through the wallet, right through the hand that dumped it in, up the sleeve, and in the heart. And God knows our motives. It's not enough to do right. God wants us to be right. Look at Matthew 5 and verse 8. And I know I'm getting these out of order for you guys, but sorry about that. Matthew 5 and verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. The word unfeigned means not fake. And you know that's the kind of faith God wants us to have. Not fake, real Somebody said the heart of the problem is the it, it, the heart of the problem is the problem the problem of the heart is the heart of the problem. There it is. In other words, it's about our heart. We can't impress God with attendance, not even with giving, not even with sharing. All those things, if 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 that's going to please God. It's got to come from a purity within. Then we please God. And here's the cool thing about it. When our heart is right, the amount of money we give doesn't matter to God. That's why the widow could come up and cast in two pence. While all the rich people cast in a a, a whole lot more to the treasury, And then the widow just gave two pence. You see, it wasn't about the amount that was given. It was about the amount left over. The widow's heart was so tuned in to God, she didn't care if she had anything left over. She wanted God to have it all. So if the heart is right, and if the heart is true, what's accomplished, all that's up to God. Now, if we flip it over, to where maybe it makes more sense to us. Then we look at old brother so-and-so, and and man, he's got a lot more ability than old brother so-and-so. Old sister so-and-so, she's way more talented than this sister over here. And our way of thinking, talent matters. Money matters. Uh, Prestige matters. Notoriety matters. All that stuff matters in our way of thinking. 
But how many of you know that God's ways are not our ways? God says, I'm looking at your heart. I'm looking at your motives. And if our motives are going to be pure, then we've got to please God. Number two, uh, his motives were pure by preaching the gospel. Everywhere the apostle Paul and the, the disciples went, they just preached the gospel. Acts 8.25 says, and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Acts 14.7. And there they preached the gospel. Acts 14.21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city. Romans 15.9. I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And you can just go on and on. You go to your concordance or your, your phone app on, on your Bible on your phone. And, and you just on and on and on about how they preach the gospel. What's my point? The point is this. Paul didn't have time to get all sideways with God and sideways with everybody else because he was busy doing what God had called him to do. Typically, when strife begins or, or jealousy or, or envy or anything like that, typically, typically when it begins, it doesn't begin with somebody Who's, who's got their nose to the grindstone working for Jesus, it usually starts on the sidelines. I hadn't been to a whole lot of ba- baseball, football games or whatever, but I did play a little, and man, I was horrible. That's why I don't play no, never did play no more past about eighth grade. But I always noticed, I always noticed, it was always the parents talking crazy. Them poor youngins just out there running the bases. They trying to catch fly balls and ground balls, and they're trying not to strike out. They're concentrating on something. The parents, though, oh, my goodness. You know what I'm talking about because some of you are some of them. In other words, the trouble starts from the sidelines, not the ones in the game. Amen? Folks, let's keep our motives pure. How am I, how are we going to make it? We got to keep our motives pure. Remember why why you're here. Remember what this whole thing is about. Don't compare yourself to the church down the street or to the to the small group across the river or whatever it may be. Compare yourself to the will of God for your life. In other words, God, did you oh, oh okay, still okay, good. Still here. Okay. That's the only comparison we need. I remember a time in my life when my motives got misconstrued. Kind of a funny story, but it, it wasn't at the time. Hunter, my son, some of y'all know him. He's way bigger and taller than me. But when he was about this old, <laughs> I had a, uh, a little canoe with a little electric motor on it. And Matter of fact, I got this boat, and I told my wife, April, I said, the whole reason I'm getting this boat is so I can take Hunter fishing. I made a big deal out of it. We, we, we really need to be able to go out there. I got him a good life jacket so, you know, I wouldn't lose him. Uh, got this. I told April, I need that trolling motor. I need that. Ba- it's for Hunter. You know, I, I want to teach him how to be in the outdoors and raise up a child. And I was using Bible, Dustin. Raise up a child in the way he should go. He should go fishing. We need a boat. And 
you know, and, and I was, I wasn't being deceitful. I mean, I was trying to get a boat too, but I wasn't being, I really did want my son to learn how to fish with me. Found out it's way more aggravating in a boat with a toddler. Just go to the bank. <laughs> That's my advice to you young parents. Go to the bank. There's less stuff to get the fishing line wrapped around. Anyway, we went out to these ponds called the Brickyard. It's an old brickyard where they dug, uh, uh, I, they didn't dig bricks, I guess the stuff to make bricks. And now there's like 27 ponds, and you pay like $5, and you fish all day. Well, we, we went out there once one day, and I'm having a good time fishing with Hunter, you know, and, and uh, I caught me a big bass. It was like seven and uh, three-quarters pounds or something like that. It was big enough and special enough because I caught it with my boy on this first fishing trip that I said, you know what, we're going to mount it. And it was gonna, it was, it would forever be the bass that me and little Hunter caught together on our first boat trip. And in my heart, man, that's that was it. I what, no other ulterior motives, nothing. Well, they had this little bait shack, and that's where you paid and you get drinks and stuff there. So I kept that fish in the live well. And when we left, we stopped by the bait shack, and I told that guy, I said, "Man, I got a big one in there. I'm taking home. I think we're gonna mount it." And the guy told me, he said, really? He said, how big you think he is? I said, I don't know, but he's more than five pounds. I guarantee you that. He said, well, did you know we have a weekly big bass contest and you can win like $100 if you have the biggest bass of the week? I said, tell me more about that. He said, well, all you got to do is Bring your fish in here. These scales are certified. I'll weigh it. I'll mark it down. He said, and whoever the winner is on Friday, uh, they print your name and your winning weight in the uh, Augusta Chronicle in the outdoor section. And I said, are you serious? And I was thinking, if that fish is bigger than anybody else's fish this week, I get my name in the paper. I said, let me go get that fish, sir. I'll be right back. I went out, got the fish, brought him in, and he waited, and it was like seven point dot, 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 whatever. I don't even remember now. And uh, he said, well, this is definitely bigger than I thought it was going to be. He said, and it's definitely the biggest fish so far. And he told me some of the other ones that had been checked in. And this is like Wednesday. So I'm thinking, man... Only a couple more days left. I'm going to get my name in the paper and $100. Well, I went home, and I told April all about that. She said, well, just like only a wife can do. Well, I thought it was all about you and Hunter going fishing and not winning a prize. And I tried to tell her I didn't even know about the prize and the contest. And she and, and she. When did you find out about that contest? You know, and I'm like, listen, I'm telling. Well, woke up the next morning. It's Thursday. I'm thinking about that hundred dollars. I'm thinking about what new fishing pole I can get or, or tackle. I'm thinking about my name in the paper. I woke up Friday and I'm like, oh boy, here we go. I go. I never buy the paper. 
I mean, I'm like, that's for old people, amen? Uh, you know, that's what, I, that's what I'm thinking. That old people read the news. Well, that day, man, I went down to the convenience store. I put my two quarters in there, got me the Guster Chronicle, opened it up to the outdoor section, and found the Brickyard Ponds. Do, 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 do. And there was some other dude's name in there. My name wasn't even mentioned. And his fish was like 7.8 whatever. Well, I thought, wait just a minute. The guy that at the at the at the fishing shack told me mine was, and I, I wish I could remember the numbers, but but I was certain there'd been a misprint or a mistake. Man, that thing bugged me all day. And now I'm just I'm feeling slighted. And I'm man all day. Finally, later on that evening or that afternoon. I got out that paper again. I looked at that guy's weight. And then I noticed at the bottom, it was written by the outdoor columnist so-and-so. Contact him at, and it had his number. I thought, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I called the dude, the outdoors writer for the Chronicle. I explained to him exactly who I was and exactly how much my fish weighed. And he said, well, man... Sounds like yours was heavier. He said, "If I tell you what I'd do if I was you, I'd call old Bill down there at the bait shop and just ask him about it. So now I'm feeling confident, like this is a misprint here. Something's wrong. So I called up the bait shop, explained who I was, and, and then he began to explain to me how the certified scales work and how fish weights work. And the dude had beat me out by like a quarter of an ounce or something. And I, I just didn't know how to read. Like after seven and the, the, the decimal, I didn't know how to interpret all the rest. And the, guys, the guy won fair and square. And, and, but as the dude was explaining to me in no uncertain terms that I was the loser, I began to feel about this big. And then I realized... For three days, I've been waiting for my name in the paper. I've been waiting to get the $100 prize money. I ain't even thought about my poor boy and his Snoopy pole. In other words, my motives got all twisted because of opportunity and because of notoriety. And no longer was my heart pure. I wasn't a dad trying to take his boy fishing. Now I was a professional angler in my mind. Going to start my new career. And boy, I had to. I'm telling you, it sounds funny, but it was a big deal in my heart. I had to get right with God. I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. Now let me apply that. How about you? How about us? I mean, is there anybody here that came out here to build a church? Is that still your heart's desire? Is there anybody here that said, man, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to Fairview because I want a place where I can really serve and fit in. You still have that desire? I think if we're going to continue for God, 
we have to have a reality check, and we have to we have to allow God to examine our our desires. And then if God puts his finger on something, then we need to find a place in the altar and say, oh, God, I've got off course. Oh, Lord, help me to get back on course. Amen. Does that, Dustin, does that mean it's overtime now? I didn't even notice the clock until like just now. Anyway, let me just mention this last one. The third instruction, I'm not going to preach on it. If we're going to continue, we have to keep our mindset positive, our motives pure, and maybe most importantly, our master precious. Paul said this. He, he, He said, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue. How do you keep your master precious? By receiving and by remaining. He said, I have in all these imprisonments, in all these beatings, in all this persecution, here I'm down to the wire, and guess what? I've received help from God. I can imagine him off by himself somewhere in the corner, maybe saying, Lord, I love you. It's been over two years I've been here. But praise God, you ain't left my side. Lord, I love you. Lord, if you'll give me strength, Lord, I'll stay as long as you make me stay. I love you. I wonder if we are receiving help from God like that. And then, how do you keep your master precious? By remaining. He said, having therefore received help of God, I continue. In other words, he made a decision to remain where God put him until God moved him. That may be the most important thing I've said this morning. Listen to me. They taught us in Bible college, and they taught us well. Don't doubt in the night what God has showed you in the light. If God's called you, continue, not until it gets rough, not until you don't like it no more, but until God moves you. Amen? In other words, keep doing what you've been doing unless God gives you a new assignment. And if God gives a new assignment, don't delay. Go follow the new assignment. But if not, I continue. Amen.